Welcome to Over to Europe. This podcast is produced by students of Civica, the European University of Social Sciences. Civica unites eight leading European higher education institutions to create next generation European university. One of the primary goals of Civica is to connect these eight universities to exchange knowledge, resources and people. We, the students of Civica, wanted to create a platform based on these values. A podcast that becomes a platform to connect excellent minds participating across Civica partner universities. A platform where researchers, professors and students from the partner universities come together to discuss contemporary European issues. A platform that provides a truly European perspective on the most pressing issues of today. I'm your host Aniket Narawad, a first year Master of Public Policy student at Hertie School, Berlin. When we started to think about this podcast, we were really enthusiastic. We are fortunate to have access to leading professors, researchers and students across Europe. To be honest, we were overwhelmed. We had to figure out how we can make best use of the resources. It's an opportunity as well as a big responsibility. We discuss the contemporary topics such as the effect of pandemic on Europe, the state of European economy, how Europeans perceive diversity, the role of Europe in the world. But in the brainstorming, one of us asked, what does it mean to be European exactly? How does one qualify to be a European? We spent some time discussing this and realized we did not have a concrete answer to this. This is when we decided to go back to the fundamentals and explore the answer to the question in our first episode. What does it mean to be a European? How has the identity of being European evolved since the beginning of European project? What has shaped this identity? In this podcast, I'm going to talk to some of the leading minds of European thinking to uncover the issues that are most relevant to Europe. In the first episode, we have Professor Frank Schimmelfenig, a visiting professor at the Jack Delors Center at the Hertie School, Berlin. He's also a professor of European politics at Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich, Switzerland. Professor Schimmelfenig, thank you very much for joining us. Let's start with the basic question. Historically, who was categorized as European and most importantly, who was not categorized as European? In the uh, a history that has changed a lot, it has always had a civilizational connotation and it was always also defined against some kind of other as being Western. And that has to do with uh, Western religion, Latin Christianity against orthodoxy, liberal democracy against autocratic regimes. That's that actually goes goes back to the to the times of the Greeks versus the Persians. Yeah, that's already a topos we find we find there. And this has has of course been been very strong in the um, in the post Cold War era. Yeah, um, defining Europe as a regional system of free democratic nations against empires. Yeah, so against the Soviet Union and then now against Russia. And I think when you look at debates about whether Turkey is in Europe or not, you see how these two uh, notions also clash. Yeah, Some people would say, well, 
as long as Turkey develops in a democratic way, yeah, this is a European nation. Uh, when it turns autocratic, uh, then it um, distances itself from Europe, whereas others would say, well, a uh, majority Muslim society as as the Turkish society is not European uh, because of that. And I think if we asked people, uh, we would probably see uh, these uh, three notions as being mixed uh, in some way about religion, about, uh, say, the uh, political regime, but also, let's say, small independent states versus empires. That's, I think, also a dimension that we, that we find. Thank you very much for that. My next question would be based on how we just defined being European. In the contemporary Europe, there are some countries which won't be categorized as liberal democracies. What do you think is happening here? Is the idea of Europe changing, deviating or expanding? I think in the post-Cold War era, it was quite clear. Yeah, uh, Only states that were consolidated democracies qualify as European according uh, to the to the treaties on European Union and qualified as members or potential members. But of course, in the view of uh, someone like Orban, he sees himself as more European than the others because he has this religious notion of Europe. So he's, he sees himself as a defender of Christianity against Muslims or, uh, let's say, uh, foreign cultures more generally, and sees Hungary, let's say, as as the front line of this of this fight of preserving Europe's identity against immigration. So here again, we see that these different notions of what it means to be European are in in constant contestation, and there's no final answer to it. And in the debate in Europe, what we see is, is actually, it's a debate on what we uh, define essentially as European, and this is part of the political conflict that we see in the European Union. As we discussed, there are diverse and contested ideas of being European. There are leaders like Orban who believe in certain kind of Europe, and there is EU who believe in certain kind of Europe. Through the power of European institutions and through the outreach of European institution, there is a risk that EU might be propagating one particular kind of European identity. Do you think EU is homogenizing one kind of identity across Europe? Uh, the um, European Union, I think, has a has a thin identity yeah, when it comes to defining what is European. It's really based on, let's say, political procedural norms and uh, say fundamental human human rights yeah there's not much more and 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 also the uh, diversity is actually part of the treaty if you if you look at the first articles i mean preserving national identities is part of uh, the treaties and it is something that the eu not only recognizes as being a fundamental fact of life but that it also doesn't want to do away with the european union is not about uh, creating a thick supranational identity uh, it's rather about uh, preserving some common fundamental values uh, which are the the values of liberal democracy but not anything anything more than that professor how do you think the perception of being european has changed since the foundation of the eu the main driver for european integration 
is not bottom up. It doesn't come from the people who discover, okay, I'm a European and I want this to, uh, to, to change dr dramatically. It's always going to be a negotiation. As in the past, I think the, the, the major changes in European integration come from interdependencies, uh, political crises that need a res response. I think the um, COVID pandemic has has again shown that in the pandemic, I think we don't see a, a major transformation of identities. But what we see is the realization that in this crisis, there are European solutions needed. And I think these, these functional requirements are a much more reliable factor for European integration than whatever you will see at the level of identities. Usually, on a national level, we start with a common identity and build towards common goals such as economic prosperity. But in the case of EU, it started with economic collaboration and the identity has been building around it. What do you think about this phenomena? The thought was that the more you collaborate economically, and especially if that brings benefits, that will also change citizens' identities and loyalties. Yeah? So over, over time, people will reorient their political loyalty and their collective identity away from the national level to the European level. So that was the thinking uh, in, in theories of the 1950s. We can now say that this uh, has not played out. So uh, we've seen a huge increase in economic interdependency. We've seen a huge increase in collaboration. But the changes when it comes to collective identities have really not been visible. We have had uh, surveys on how people perceive their identity uh, for decades now, and we actually see very, very little change over, over time. People have uh, retained a predominant national identity. The only shift that we've seen in the past years is uh, that those who have a, a dual identity, so nation first but Europe too, that has, has, in, has, in, has increased and is, um, is, I think, now the relative majority of people. But there's no shift, let's say, from a predominantly national identity to a predominantly European identity among citizens of the European Union. We really don't know well what people have in their mind when or when they do not uh, define themselves as Europeans. I think there's a lot of things uh, coming together there. And from, from surveys, we don't really understand well uh, what, people, what people define as being European. Professor, how do you think these two identities are going to evolve in the future? The national identity and the European identity? If you... Uh, uh, think about citizens' identities, I don't expect that these will change in any dramatic way. We've seen a rather stable perception of citizens' identities over the past decades. And, I, I, and these, these identities usually are quite stable. They take a lot of time to change rather over generations. It's not that people change their national identities as they might change uh, some views on policies. So I think the EU has to deal with the fact that uh, citizens' predominant allegiance is to their, to their nations and not to some kind of European supernation. And I think whatever solution the EU 
needs to uh, find for for policy issues has to res to respect that. This podcast is for the young people of Civica Partner Universities. Do you have any advice for these young people how they should be thinking about the European identity? My advice would be to think to think less about our identities think more about better policies i think uh, we should not make the search for good policy solutions too much dependent on on our identities but rather see ourselves and others as individual citizens no matter whether they are european french polish or whatever my my personal views is that too much focus on identities um sometimes gets in the way of uh, looking for better policy solutions so this was professor frank schimmelfenick professor schimmelfenick is an expert on european policies but let's talk about this issue to younger generation the students who are studying these policies we have luca from hertie school marta from central european university and pietro from bocconi university let's see what they have to say about this uh so while we were thinking about this podcast the one of the core important things we were asking when we were thinking like what we should be doing in this podcast there are several issues that are re relevant to europe like uh, several issues that are contemporary issues that are pressing like covid like other issues but before that one of the questions we we were discussing me and nick was how how do we define europe like because it's such a broad concept and a concept tossed around for a really long time it's from centuries so how do we think about it so that's that's where we came up with this idea like let's let's explore what what does europe mean for different people and what what does the european identity mean for people so that's that's going to be our basic uh, topic uh, topic of discussion uh, today so and we thought getting students is important because uh, like luca is studying MP, mpp pietro is studying international business and economics marta is studying nationalism nationalism studies so all of you people like are including me i'm also studying mpp at hertie so for us like it is necessary we we are the people who are going to take over this uh take over uh, things next in in a few years so it is very important to understand what europe means for us that's why we thought let's get students involved than just talking to the experts because these are the people their thoughts are important for the future of europe that's why we started So I want to start with the first question. Uh, I'm going to ask Pietro about this. Pietro, what? How do you consider uh, yourself European, and how do you associate yourself uh, with the identity of uh, being European? Okay, thank you. No, I think this is a great question. Um, I was born in 1999, so I've only known uh, the idea of a united Europe, and because of this, uh, we are we have been kind of my generation has been kind of desensitized to the idea of. Uh, uh what it would be like to not have the european union which is actually quite daunting if you think about it for a while um i feel european and i also feel italian but there is some sense of um closeness to uh, my other eu member states uh, the sense of uh, european identity came about during my high school days when i participated in, in the european youth parliament and uh, i was able to travel around europe and meet uh hundreds of students from 30 different countries and more than the contents of those discussions that we were having with other students about european topics the thing that gave me the most impact was the friendships that i took along and the fact that there isn't such a big difference between our countries and yeah that's something that i'm working towards again right now uh building a sense of european identity like i was able to 
uh, see when uh, when I was traveling around during the European Youth Parliament and now in university as well with the Chivica program. Uh, that, that's interesting because uh, Pietro is very young and uh, most of us, like all of us are quite young. So for, for us, like uh, you guys have may, may not have seen how Europe was before um, there was such strong economic integration. Luca, do you associate with uh, what Pietro said? Do you, do you want to add something there? Yeah, definitely. Um, although I was never engaged in in any form of um, European movement, I have also I have since a child. I always felt like, and I, I do have a, a double citizenship, which is German on the one side and um, being an EU citizen on the other side. And um, over the past few years, this is something that has grown more important um, for me because um, I think um, first and, and, and foremost growing up in Europe, not not only the European Union, but in Europe means growing up and not thinking about war. And I think this is something that a lot of people in our generation just take for granted, although you don't need to know much more history to know that it's just not, not something you can take for granted. And this is yeah, it's it's part of my identity, basically. Yeah. So I definitely agree with yeah, Pietro. Yeah, that's an inter interesting thought because Germans uh, are, I think, one of the uh, people, German people and the politicians are at the helm of uh, EU. They strongly associated being European. Is it, is it something similar for you also, uh, uh, Marta? What do you think? Because you come from uh, the eastern side of Europe. What what are your thoughts about it? How do you associate with the, with the identity of Europe and what, what Europe means for you? Yeah, thanks, Annika. I think what Pietro and Luca were talking about is sort of tapping into this idea of double identity where people have national identity and then they also have this European identity. And I feel like it's more of a question of um, what identity do we give our first allegiance to? So I feel like most of the people would say, yes, I feel European if they were born in Europe and raised in Europe and so on. Uh, but then when it comes to deciding on national issues, I feel like politicians most of the time then then have to decide um, what card do they want to play <laughs> depending on the um, yeah, depending on the electoral success, um, depending on what what they bring them electoral success. But for me personally, I see why you ask this question is because um, I'm originally from Serbia, which is outside of the EU, but but is nonetheless a part of Europe. Um, and so there's always this question of, you know, what does it mean to be European? Does it mean to be a part of the EU and, and uh, share similar values and uh, be a part of this uh, institutional setup? Or does it mean that we're on the same continent and share some uh, cultural characteristics? Um, yeah, and also on top of that, I've lived in, in Germany and spent some time in Hungary as well briefly last year. And and I'm in Vienna now, so I've traveled around. Um, so I took my share of living in the EU countries. Um, so yeah, personally, I definitely feel a European, even though I don't have any EU citizenship. Which definitely, I think this goes hand in hand with what um, Luca was saying. Sort of, it's not convenient because when you move around, you definitely feel that you have or you don't have any EU citizenship because. It, it can make your life much easier if you do so. So what I'm actually trying to say is sort of identity and institutional setup go hand in hand in a way because you makes you travel much more easily and move around and be engaged with people from other countries within the EU. 
Whereas being on the outside, even though you're part of Europe, that makes it slightly more difficult. Mm. I think I think it's an interesting idea you have uh, come up with. Uh, you have talked about here. You you are from Serbia, which is not part of the EU, but you still believe that you're uh, you're European. I, I just want to ask a question uh, to one of you. Uh, anyone can take it. Uh, we, all of you talked about uh, being a national, having two identities, and like, but you none of you have talked about what what is Europe. Um, of course, um, for for me, European is not just like a geographical term, but it it also refers to uh, a common European culture, maybe so to say. I mean, although we 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 see in in everyday politics that are that there are major differences in, for example, in asylum politics, and um, people always say like. Uh, Europeans would talk about human rights but not deliver in the end. Although some of these uh, things are definitely true, I, I do think that there are certain shared values that a lot of Europeans believe in and that definitely have a root in, in Europe and in, in, in European uh, traditions of um, philosophy and, and other disciplines like basic human rights, uh, democratic rule of law and also some some degree of equity i mean um, that is something we also have in in other societies but i think this uh, specific mixture is some something that is deeply deeply european and it, it's part of my culture and uh, and it's probably also part of your culture i don't know how do you, how you feel about that i feel like when we talk about identity i know brubaker gives us a couple of different ways in which we can view identity um as a concept and one of the ways sort of seeing it as a um, as a sort of fundamental sameness among members of a group or category. And I feel like this is an interesting aspect of it because it seems like European Union is at the same time based on sameness, but also difference. And I feel like it's a project that is trying to bring together the two. Hmm. So the, uh, both, both of you uh, uh, have talked about the values, common shared values. Do you... The, the culture is quite diverse. Like if you go to France, you have different culture, different cuisine. If you go to Italy, it's, it's very different than what it is in uh, uh, in Hungary or what it is in Austria. It's, there is a lot of diversity, but there are common shared values. Yeah, I, I think the question of value values is interesting because now that I think about it, I feel like I want to share values with everybody else within the EU, outside of the EU, but also everybody else globally, right? The values that we all share shouldn't, those be sort of universal human um, values? What is so specific or special about the European values? Maybe we can pinpoint to them. If we look back at the European values, I think we have to go back to see when the European Union was founded. It, after uh, the Second World War, Europe had been ravaged by the second uh, global conflict in just a few years. And one of the founding fathers that uh, I know the most of is uh, Altiero Spinelli and uh, his message about creating a federalist Europe as also a tool to bring about, about long-term peace, as Luca said, I think is very important. Uh, and and some of the values that are uh, inscribed in the many treaties, such as democracy, rule of law, human rights, uh, and are essential to modern-day democracies. And Europe has in has a some kind of responsibility also not to just implement them sometimes uh 
it's not doing it as well between its member states, but it also helps in uh, bringing these values in other nations through its trade uh, deals. As Pietro said, like he has never seen a Europe. Uh, he, he he wasn't there before there was no Europe. So he that's the default for him. That's the status quo for him. Europe always has been there. Pietro, what do you think? Like, What is the impact of policies on identity of being European? Yeah, no, I think it um, it was a smart move to start from the economic incentive uh, to bring people together. Um, and I'm happy that it developed beyond that and became more of a political union as well throughout the years. I would like to see it um, develop even into a more integrated political union um, as there is some clear limits to the institutions and, and what can happen. But there also has to be a deeper discussion on uh, at the European level, what do you want to see Europe uh, look like in the future? Some people would like uh, to roll back the powers and the integration of the European Union, while some others would uh, would like to see it go through to a federal model, even uh, like in the United States. I'm not I'm not sure what kind of things we need to uh, work towards, but I know that there's still a long way to go before the European project can be complete. Uh, and I think any move towards more integration while also being mindful of uh, uh, national identities is uh, a positive thing for member states individually and the union as a whole. I think what's interesting is this idea of citizenship and quite a few scholars talk about it and it's in the past. Brubecker talks about the relationship between citizenship and identity as well and it's about this idea how you know whether it's use um, sanguinis or use solely and, and how this connects to our idea where we belong. And I feel like uh, having the EU citizenship as well as the citizenship of your uh, country of origin um, m- makes you able to do certain things that you couldn't have done before. Like, for example, now people are uh, moving work online, uh, which means that they don't have to um, live where they used to work or where they normally work. So people... I see people moving around Europe now, um, exploring some new places because there are basically no regulations that prevent them to do so. Um, so is this sort of free movement and the um, and the easiness uh, of movement that's been allowed by the by the EU treaties, which I also feel like um, really nourishes this idea of EU identity. Um, so this is how these two identity and EU policy are tied together. On, and this is obviously on the individual level. So we're talking about individuals who are not necessarily in charge of policies and who have basically nothing to do with these, but who are affected by them. So you guys are going to be the leaders of tomorrow in, in terms of policymaking, in terms of uh, research, in terms of uh, business and economics. What do you guys think, like each of you, uh, give me an answer where, how do you see yourself where Europe is going from here? Let's start with uh, Pietro. So how how do I see the future of Europe? Yeah. Um, I think Europe right now has a lot of challenges to face, uh, mainly the environmental crisis, uh, the migrant crisis, and um, and now the COVID uh, um, the COVID pandemic. These are really big challenges where either we can choose to unite behind them and do it more effectively or uh, act in singular uh, in singular fashion between our member states and be less efficient. I, I think uh, member states should recognize that 
the EU is a tool, a uh, very useful tool to enact um, a really bi uh, a big amount of change on the world level because uh, member states individually are nothing when when we think about it in international and global terms, but the EU as a whole can really be one of the superpowers. And I think this is something that member states should really look after. But uh, yeah, I think the three main challenges are um, the COVID response, the environmental challenge, and the, the migration. And uh, if we can rise up to uh, work together on these, I don't think there's any other powers that can really... Um, affect us negatively uh, we just need mm -hmm. to agree between each other okay Marta where, where do you see Europe going from here considering the current contemporary political situation the inward growing voices where do you see Europe going in next few years uh, I think if I can go and with the same route of sort of seeing foreseeing the future challenges I would add um, to the already mentioned challenges the challenge of um, coping with um, with the future of work in the post-industrial societies. And so how individual countries would deal with this and then how this will be dealt with um, on the intergovernmental level. Um, so how you, so within the trade and sort of preventing this economic nationalism that seemed to be uh, resurgent more lately. So I would add that to the challenges and um, yeah, I mean, we have so many challenges to face, but then on the other hand, I don't see a kind of dissolution um, <laughs> on the bright side, I guess. Um, how do I see? I mean, this is such a huge question. Depends when it comes to migration. There's so many points of juncture and points. Okay, I wanted to say something else. There's another point uh, which needs to be stressed, and that is how the EU deals with the member state that is not necessarily acting in a way. Um, that is correct um, and and fair to everybody else, say Hungary, and, and that's where the rule of law is not necessarily being followed. Uh, and then how the EU is acting towards those countries outside of the EU, so having the leverage to impose certain sanctions. So what we've seen so far um, is this lack of leverage to say, okay, this is not okay, and this is how we will... Um, not necessarily punish, punish is too strong of a word, but somehow restrict this behavior so that it doesn't, this is not allowed to happen within our uh, institutional setup. Yeah, I think initially we uh, started with the same thought what Martha is saying right now with the shared values, how we do, how the European countries should have shared values. What do you think, Luca, is the, let's, let's think of this as a final concluding question. What do you think are the shared values of the Europe of the future? I, I mean, I do think there's not so many values every European shares, as, as I said in the beginning, but I think there are some core values that especially Europe, a lot of European leaders are trying to push. I think uh, the rule of law is really a big discussion right now. It, it has been in an in interested public for some time now, but now that it was um, linked to the, the negotiations on the, on the multi-annual financial framework, I think it became, or, or, it, or it, there was a, a whole new dimension was added. And I'm, I'm really interested how, how um, what the results to that will be. But I think um, other than that, um, we, we really need to overcome some, some limits that are inherent 
in, in, the, in, the, in the structures, in the institutions of the EU. Um, there has been a, a lot of talk on the um, idea of, 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 on the idea of like um, deeper voluntary integration of, of certain coalitions of the willing um, on, on certain topics, not only migration, where it's very evident that not everybody shares the same values, but also um, on topics like um, taxation and defense, if we can find a common European positions with all the member states. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that at some point um, uh, some member states will have to go ahead and uh, overcome these, these uh, negotiation deadlocks. I think this is really essential and um, it's a tough question actually. These were the students of Civica Partner Universities. After hearing them, we can say that Europe's future is in promising hands. From conversation with students and Professor Schimmelfennig, I understand that it is hard to capture European identity into one particular definition or a few words. As we discussed, there are some common grounds, there are some shared values also, but there are contested ideas about who is European and who is not. It will be interesting to see how Europe and identity around it is going to evolve in the coming few decades. Thank you for being part of the conversation. Over to Europe is produced by Nicholas Fellows and me, Aniket Narawad, with the help of Civica Community. Music in this episode was created by Kevin McLeod. This podcast is funded by German Academic Exchange Service. Subscribe and learn more at www.civica.eu slash over to Europe. Stay tuned for our next episodes. Thank you.